Hello? Hello. Hi, how you doing? Good. Good. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for talking with me now. Sure. Yeah, I just wanted to chat with you to uh, help promote the film that we're we're, we're going to show it on that uh, the nat the the day. Uh, what is it called again? The day that everybody on April twenty ninth that you call it. One night, one voice. Yes, one night, yeah. one voice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, yeah. So is this um, uh, kind of just for you to to chat or? Well. Um, no, I wanted to do more just about if I could just ask you about like talk a little bit about how the uh, little bit little story behind the movie, how it uh, got started, and to promote the screening that we're yeah. So if you could just introduce yourself and talk about a, like uh, yeah, talk about how the movie came to be. Okay, hi, um, I'm Oryx Cohen, and I'm a co-producer of Healing Voices, and also uh, in the film. Um, and so the film really was a, a labor of love over the course of about six years. Uh, I had done several years of work uh, in the field, and particularly uh, peer-run work, um, and just continued to be kind of astounded about how uh, our some of the messages that we were trying to get across to folks just were not getting across to like mainstream people yeah, in terms yeah. of a different way of looking at mental health that, uh, you know, uh, full healing is possible that, you know, trauma plays such a big role in, in these, these issues. Yeah, and, and, and the trauma piece is part of the message I'm really trying to bring across is I feel it's so, so important and it's so, yeah, I feel it's not really brought up enough in that the dominant conversation about these issues. Yeah, so um, felt like one way to impact uh, public perception and attitudes is through uh, the media and and particularly documentaries, um, and so that was really a, a motivation behind doing a documentary that would hopefully get out to uh, a lot of people that a lot of people would see it, um, and so uh, was lucky enough to to get connected to uh, PJ Moynihan, who's a professional filmmaker, and he got interested in this topic and has really learned a lot and become an ally and uh, just decided we wanted to do this this film and try to make a, you know make it really a, a great documentary with high production value and uh, you know a potential to, to be seen by a lot of people. And what's the, what has, what's been your, uh, you know, uh, feedback on the response of people that have seen the film? What have, what have they, uh, how have they reacted to it? Overall, the response has been really, really positive. Um, we've, we have people, you know, say already in, in the private screenings that we've done, you know, this, this film changed my life. Um, and, you know, very people very emotional, um, and uh, we've just gotten. You know, they love the film. They love um, the story, 
they 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 appreciate the information that it provides too because it does provide uh quite a bit of of information and history um and they love the artwork and the music and how how it kind of all all ties together um so it definitely elicits uh conversation and uh and it brings up strong feelings for people uh which is why we really recommend having the dialogue after the film um and uh but those dialogues have been really awesome no matter where people kind of what people's opinions are uh you know it's it's just been a, a great forum for for folks and i, I imagine just just the scale is going to get a lot bigger when we release when we release this Right, and one of the things I remember uh, hearing on the trailer, which I really liked, is this idea that you know that you you guys aren't trying to push a particular agenda; that it's just about having a different conversation about these issues, which I think is really nice. Yeah, I mean, we definitely want to present a perspective that's not heard. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> which I, I totally support myself. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if you want, if you want to get the purely medical perspective, then you can just turn on the TV and watch a drug ad. Right, sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is a perspective that's not really seen or heard from a lot. A lot of people don't even know about the peer movement or the Mad Pride movement. Right. Um, so we definitely wanted to present that perspective, but it's presented in a way that's, I think, respectful and uh and allows people with a variety of different per perspectives to 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 be able to feel included. Um, yeah, and I think that's very important. And I, I saw I forget the I think she was some kind of professor that that sort of referred to you and Will Cohen as sort of the uh, kind of like the Bill W and Dr. Bob of the peer movement. Oh yeah, that's uh, Gail Hornstein uh, wrote that in her book. Um, Agnes's jacket. Yeah, Will Hall. Yeah. We often get uh, confused. <laughs> um, Will Hall and myself. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think that's, I mean, I think that's great. And, and I mean, uh, I'm not a, you know, I've worked with the whole recovery, the more addiction recovery uh, community. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of good positives to that group. But one of the negatives is I found that the people are, it sort of can be a little bit, exclusive and then either you're a part of the group or you're not and I think that inclusion that you you just mentioned is very key and I, I felt that people that I've um, and I think that's a really important piece to make sure it's an, and I feel it has been the people I've met from the more peer mm -hmm. mental health community being that it's an inclusive community rather than it's either us versus them kind of a thing yeah yeah that's definitely the way that we want we want to be with this um, you know, we want to honor people's perspectives and where they're coming from because uh, people are people are where they're at, and you know, we're not going to change anybody. Uh, you know, in the moment, um, you know, just like I want to be accepted for where I'm at in the moment, I you know, other people want to be accepted for where they're at in the moment. So um, we we do we definitely try to be inclusive. Yeah, and one of the um, one of the things I've heard you reference before, and other people too, which I think is really a great way of 
uh, talking about these things is rather than, than talking about people's experiences as psychotic or delusional as well, this perspective of, of uh, extreme states, which yeah. I, I really like. Well, where, can you tell me, where did that come from, that, uh, talking about it that way? Um, yeah, it's, I'm not sure the exact roots of it, but, um, you know, language is important. Yeah, it is. Very important. Um, so I think if you look at a lot of different, uh, movements and civil rights movements, people try to reclaim the language and, of how they're referred to. And, um, Oftentimes, it's language that is given by an oppressive group. Sure. Um, and uh, so, you know, the language that is associated with with uh, you know myself and people who have lived experience is you know things like mental illness, schizophrenia, uh, psychotic. Um, and these terms have very kind of negative uh, connotations attached to them and negative uh, perceptions. So we, in trying to reclaim the language um, and to try to be, honestly, more accurate in right. descri describing what these experiences are, uh, we've come up with you know, some different terminology um, in terms of extreme states or altered states, instead of talking about auditory hallucinations, for example, which is very clinical and uh, judgmental, too, in terms of, um, you know, you're not really experiencing that. It's, it's kind of a made-up thing. Uh, we prefer to use hearing voices, uh, just more descriptive and more accurate in terms of what, are, what people are experiencing. So it's similar in terms of um, the language around extreme states. And, and one, one of the things I, mean, I think that's really powerful about the documentary and from my own sort of advocacy work, I feel it's, it's, I think it's more useful to try to get the message out to the people rather than trying to change these rigid systems because I, I've tried to talk to people in more positions of power and they just, they're just so reactive and so rigid and I, and I get very frustrated that I don't see any change happening. But but I really do feel the consciousness of the people is starting to change. I, I was wondering what your, you know, what your experience with this is. Yes, I mean that's again that's um, one of the main motivations of of making the film is um, exactly that perspective that uh, systems tend to move very slowly unless pushed by the public, and so yeah, that's that's the idea that. Uh, if we can get the average person to start thinking about these issues differently, similar to what um, you know the gay movement has accomplished and other civil rights movements have accomplished, um, that that's what's going to end up moving policy, not not vice versa. Right. So this is an opportunity for the people to to get some power. Yeah, no, and I mean, uh, related to this stuff, I really see it as a human rights issue too and a social justice issue. I think that's so important. And I mean, uh, I, I always, l lately I've been sort of turning back to a lot of the things that Dr. Martin Luther King says, and I think his 
a lot of his words are just so relevant in this capacity, in particular that I like that that uh, that talk he gave about creative maladjustment. I was wondering what your uh, what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, I love to use that quote. Yeah. Uh, the salvation of the world lies in the hands of the creatively maladjusted. Um, and what he meant by that was, uh, what does it mean to be adjusted to a society that has this great inequality of wealth, has you know poverty, racism, trauma, violence, environmental destruction, all of this stuff that's happening uh, around us, which is very problematic. What does it you know? What does it mean to be adjusted to that? Um, actually, to save the world, you need people who are maladjusted <laughs> to all of those things, and say this is not okay, and we need to um, do something about it. Yeah, creatively. Um, and so, uh, and people that are going through altered states are often, um, or extreme states are often reacting to things that aren't quite right in the environment, whether it's their own trauma history or whether it's reacting to problems of the planet. Um, And by not, by shutting them out and not listening and saying that, oh, you're just crazy, the rest of society is missing out on some important messages uh, and, and, and ways that we can heal the entire society. I mean, and I really think when you really understand it from this perspective, this whole idea, I mean, of a chemical imbalance just seems so ridiculous. And that all the psychiatric diagnosis, and when you really see this perspective, it just, it just makes it seem so ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, that's the way I feel. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, reducing, reducing um, human experience down to... Uh, it's a reductionist approach, sure. and and we we keep discovering more and more neurotransmitters, and in, in our and, and our brain just gets more complicated the more that we look into it, and to to think that we could ever narrow it down to a few things that a, a few drugs are, that are going to target and do this magical thing, it's it is it's asinine, <laughs> um, but. Um, but so many people still buy this narrative, though. Buy they buy it, and they think it's possible. And they, yeah. oh, we can just let the cure is around the corner. When right. you don't realize that everything that you do every day affects your right. biology. Yeah. So what we need to be focusing on is not this reductionist approach, but how do we create societies and communities that are healthy and people want to live in and. And that creates a healthy biology. Sure. I mean, even if we, if we didn't understand the brain in, in almost in a perfect way, it will we'll never find these targets because, you know, like you said, that the brain is continually shaped by, yeah. it's always embedded in an environment. And, That's and, right. And even from a, from a baby, the, baby, the baby's yeah. brain is shaped by the relationship with their mother and their father and the environment. So yeah. it's, you can't separate the two. Just, you can't separate it. Yeah, so it's it's just a flaw in the approach. <laughs> yeah, uh, and also, um, yeah, the, the the group that I was partnered with uh, to screen the movie is called the South Florida Wellness Network in Fort Lauderdale, and um, they're um, 
I don't know her personally, but one of my other friends knows her uh, is Emery Cohen, and, and they told me that she's connected with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've uh, met Emery when she was in uh, North Carolina. Okay. And she helped to uh, bring emotional CPR to North Carolina. Um, that's that's great to hear that she's involved with this. Yeah, yeah, it is. I haven't had a chance to meet her, but I heard great things about her. Um, so she'll be coming to the uh, event? Yeah. Oh, awesome. And it's going to be a Broward College, which is one of the largest community colleges in the, uh, I think, in the whole country, and it's in Fort Lauderdale. Awesome. Well, say hi to her for me, please. <laughs> yeah, I will. And uh, what was the one other thing I was thinking of? Um, um, yeah, I forgot what I, I lost, sort of lost my train of thought here. But uh, yeah, I know what it was uh, related to the reductionism. Yeah. Try to find the, the quote of who said this, but it doesn't necessarily really matter. But some scholar said this, uh, that sort of reductionism is always reactionary. And, mm. and, and that's, you know, that's how I, I do feel about it. And I mean, I think it's important also that with the peer, more uh, trauma-based approach, approach, that can also get a little bit reductionistic too. And I think it's important we take a, you know, a mindful, reflective approach to these issues and, you know, not, and make, make sure that we're not you know, responding to people in a reactionary way. I think that's just so important. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, anytime we get too narrow in, in thinking, I think that's uh, that becomes problematic. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you go into uh, interactions with people with humility and uh, not knowing that you not don't understand exactly what it's like for that that person and uh, and being curious about their worldview and how they approach things, then that usually leads to a lot better results. Yeah, and also, uh, you're um, are you the president of or the 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 uh, the national empowerment? Um, uh, my official title is chief operating officer. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about that? Your connection with that and that organization? Sure. Um, just to be clear, it's totally separate okay. from the film. Yeah. The film is an independent film. Um, so that's my part-time job, but my full-time job is, uh, with the National Empowerment Center and, uh, we are one of three peer-run national technical assistance centers in the country, uh, which is really cool that our government funds, um, peer-run national organizations. Um, and what we do is we provide, uh, support for statewide organizations, um, in selected states to uh, develop and develop their peer networks in those states and develop their um, recovery-oriented programs in those states. Um, and also, another part of my job is that we have an um, a area of focus, which is uh, crisis response services. And so through that, we do a lot of education and training around how can we better support people going through crisis and what kind of um, programs can we design to uh, better support people such as peer-run respites is one. Um, Soteria Houses is another. Yeah, and I saw that there was one that uh, that's um, developing in Vermont, I believe, a Soteria House. It's open now. Open. Wow, yeah. yeah, and you have to be a Vermont resident. Uh, and and it's, and we get calls all the time, you know, people looking for alternative places to go than yeah. the hospital. 
and um, we need more of these places. And well, hopefully, I, I wish it really would be the standard of care. Uh, yeah. At least there was an option for people. It's just it's yeah. just horrible that it's. Yeah, that, that I uh, I don't know if you were I don't know who the person is personally, but um, she posted this article on uh, mental health policy. Her name's Natasha Tracy or Natalia Tracy. Do you know who she is? Hmm, I don't. I'm not sure. But she, but basically, what she said is she uh, said something about how that the the funding is so low for mental health services. I, I maybe if it, I forget if it's specifically in Florida, but she said we you know we. Sh- it's sort of a, it's a not a good allocation of funds to fund peer services because we need to get people the best help. And, and she just, it was, to me, it was a very reactionary piece, and I posted it and, and tagged a bunch of people that are connected with this organization, the big peer run here, this South Florida Wellness Network, and they gave different feedback. And, you know, and it's just, to me, it's just so biased to this idea that, um, but it is that that, um, that the more medical services are more effective. Uh, but but as you know, I mean, uh, to me, this isn't really up to, for debate. That any service, you know, even not take it out of psychiatry or mental health. If you know, if you're doing surgery, you know, the, the more the more medical the service becomes, the more likelihood it's going to inflict harm. It's just it's yeah. just. Just yeah. the way it is. It's not a. It's not a. Um, it's not a philosophical debate here. But yeah. and that, that we don't look at this more. That you know that peer services can be almost uh, no or as effective, if not more effective, and they're not gonna. They're not gonna be as likely to inflict harm on somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's been a lot of research to um, support alternatives. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately, uh, there are more there are more powerful influences yeah, than be. <laughs> research and logic. <laughs> um, there's the you know the pharmaceutical industry sure. has a huge uh, lobby. The hospital industry has a huge lobby. Um, so uh, yeah, we're we're up against a lot of challenges for sure, but um, you know I I just feel like if we can just seeing the people that we're helping through this movement and the alternatives that we've created that's that's awesome in it, in of itself and um, you know hopefully there will be this big huge paradigm shift yeah. where we where this becomes the standard of care. Um, and I hope to see that. Um, and at the same time, you know, you can control what you can control, and uh, you can create these these thriving communities and places, and um, and and kind of do what you what do what you can in the moment. Yeah, but I guess I, I found. I mean, uh, you're you're in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Florida. I mean, I don't know. Have you been to Florida before? South Florida. I've never been to South Florida. Never. It's just not. I mean, it's just a very weird place, ideologically, politically, ever in every capacity. And uh, I'm from the Philadelphia area originally, which is much more socially just, much more social justice of a orientation among the, you know, the the people there. But uh, I can find this area very frustrating. And, and you know, like uh, the the peer run people here, that they're just. Yeah, I feel they're very political. They don't want to say that they're, they don't want to take a stand and say, critique the medical model too much. Oh, and, peer people? 
Mm. Yeah, I feel that that's like it's like well, we're going to do peer, but medication is you know yeah. is good and it's helpful and and and, and you know not take as a, at least a, a critical enough stance from from yeah. my position. But uh, no, but, I I yeah. see that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I I agree that um, I wish I wish people would take more of a critical stance, but it's hard when they have things to lose. Uh, financially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, but ultimately, people are going to have to take risks, and yeah. um, you know, because are you are you a, you have to ask the question: Are you about your own job and your own stability, or are you really about helping people? Right, no and I mean, it's something <laughs> I, I've. Yeah, I've lost a lot of jobs in the industry just sort of trying to do what I believe in. It's just it's the way it is. But, uh, I mean, actually, one of the things I was going to bring up is about, I think when I sort of ca first came across a lot of these ideas about five, four or five years ago, I came across some of the work from the National Empowerment Center, and I actually was, uh, had this job at the state hospital in, in um, South Florida, and I was sort of naively thought that I could, you know, push some of these ideas there, and it was just it's impossible. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've I've uh, I've heard that from, from other state hospitals around that it's really it's really an upstream uh, battle there. <laughs> uh, the current is too strong, and yeah. for especially for one person. <laughs> that's true that is true uh, I was wondering if you ever got if you're in touch uh, he used to be in, in the Miami area but now he's in California David Cohen do you ever meet him yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah where's he from now he lives he's in Miami UCLA but he I met oh, him when he was in Miami okay. yeah yeah I've met him he's great yeah he is he's a real uh, real radical guy he's, uh... yeah anyway well thanks a lot yeah what were you saying I was just going to say, oh, it sounds like we're wrapping up, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to wish you luck with your screening, and are you going to be able to be on the webinar today? Oh, I Did you see the notice about the webinar? Uh, when When is it? It's at 3 o'clock yeah, your time. Yeah, yeah, I'll be able to do that, sure. Did you get the invitation? I think it? I got it, but uh, um, I sort of forgot about it. But I'm glad. Do you want me to resend it to you? Yeah. So yeah. it's at the top of your yeah. email. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll send it to you, and um, that'll be a chance to um, to ask any questions and and kind of get a overview of um, some tips on how to do the how to do the event. And okay. Stuff. But uh, yeah, I wish you wish you the best of luck with it. Well, thanks a lot, Oryx. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, sure. Yeah, nice to see you. Nice yeah. to see you over Skype. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I hope to make it down there at some yeah. point. Yeah, right. I'd like to come up to with the mass area. Uh, yeah. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thank you.